up? It's your boy Carl Cherry. I'm here with Trent Clark and John Tanners, and we are the Rap Pack guys. It's been almost six months. How are you guys doing? Let's start with John, who has a facial expression that I wish you guys could see right now. Uh, I don't know. You said six months, and it could be. It could have been two years. It could have been two weeks. Time is totally flat for me at this point. So I'm doing okay. I was saying to you guys before we started recording that. I have, like, other than getting married, uh, there aren't a ton of, like, personal memories that I have from this year because everything's just mostly me sitting in my apartment reacting to whatever I was watching on the news or reading on Twitter. So I feel like the year almost didn't happen in some ways. In other ways, I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, fuck this year. <laughs> fuck everything that happened in it, and I can't wait to not be in it. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm both... As as Drake and Gucci Mane once said, I'm I'm good, and I'm bad. It feels like a long nightmare that we can't wake up from. Uh, Trent, how you feeling? I mean, I'm good. You know, this is the first time I stepped out in a minute. Like first time I put on jeans, probably in like five months, and you know, I forgot that there's a thing called a belt that you're supposed to accompany it with. But uh, yeah, Your belt probably don't fit anyway because you lost 47 pounds or 49 <sighs> according to the group text. Which one is it? Uh, well, I gained two pounds uh, in the couple, past couple of weeks. Yeah, I've just been <laughs> relaxing. But yeah, I've just been working out, uh, trying to get my mind focused, um, listening to music. You know, that's been a uh, um, a good breakaway. Um, definitely had some losses uh, this year. You know, rest in peace, my cousin Charlene. You know, rest in peace, my man Bub, BJ Bowman. Uh, digital funerals, you know, that's the world we're living in. It's, it's, I mean, it's surreal. Um, so, I mean, right now, like, we've braved a lot of, it's December, and we braved a lot of stuff, you know, we've kind of had, like, a couple weeks of peace, so, you know, I guess I'm feeling all right. All right, well, I mean, let's keep it real with the audience, right? Well, all three of us, fairly private, I think, but one of the reasons why we stopped is because, you know, we were going through things. Mm -hmm. I had personal loss. You did. We're close friends, and we didn't even know. I think you knew about some of my family members passing away, but it wasn't until me, you, and Josh got together that I realized that the both of you also lost people. Same thing happened with a few of my friends. Where It's the weird thing. Everyone's going through some things at the same time, so you kind of don't want to burden people with your shit, but then you find out that they're going through the exact same thing. It's crazy. Yeah. It's super weird, too, because I, 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 I talked about this with a lot of friends recently. Like, I, I lost people, like, in the last month, and and suddenly, and you realize it's not just that other people are going through things that they're not necessarily talking about. It's that everybody's pressures, everybody's daily lives, all the shit that you're normally going through is, like, microwave because you're sitting in your apartment with your thoughts, and you can't, I mean, you can go for a walk, or you can, you know, try to go for a drive and get away or mm -hmm. whatever if you're in L.A., but it's not like, you know, like, I used to play basketball every Wednesday night and Saturday morning. In addition to uh, a, a, a thoughtful therapist, that was what kept me from totally losing my mind. I haven't played basketball since February, and I was looking good back then, too. Right? <laughs> I had, like, some patient moments. But no, but it's that, you know, that loss of outlets for all the things that we're going through that aren't just like, let me call up my friend and dump all my shit on them. So I've been okay most of the year. I, I've been through like some traumatic times, but one of the releases you get when you're stressed is to go out with your friends to a fucking bar and get drunk. That release is gone. Even if you're, you know, John, uh, Trent, myself, and Josh had a couple times on the roof. It was great, but it's different than going to a bar and feeling a certain type of energy. The music is loud and just like, it's a different type of release. It, it, it's crazy. And the other thing is, it's so funny how you, your perception of things completely changed, right? I was fine being in a one-bedroom apartment all these years. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I'm still single, so no need to rush for a house. Some of my friends that have been buying were like, Carl, are you looking to buy? But I was doing the thing where like, I'm responding and it's a reflex. I haven't even thought about what it means to actually buy a house. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And by June, I was like, fuck this one-bedroom <laughs> apartment. This shit is crazy. I need to get out of here. It's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, I want us to have fun today. Obviously, we're going to talk about 2020. But starting on a somber note, obviously, we're acknowledging what's been going on through the year. But a few weeks back, 
we had a moment that I don't remember us having in hip hop where four rappers got shot in a span of 10 days. Unfortunately, we lost King Von. Uh, I'll be frank. Is it Mo3? How do you pronounce his name? I say Mo3. Because I had. Yeah, his, his manager was saying Mo3, Mo on the. Because I heard someone, I heard someone credible refer to him as M3, and they confused me because I was like, wait, it, it doesn't read that way. Um, but several days later, it was M3. Then Boosie got shot, and Benny the Butcher got shot. And I don't know if they got shot the same day, but the reports at least were published the same day or a day apart. Trent, in our group text, you mentioned like we had to talk about this. So I wanted to give you the floor and have you express exactly what is going through your mind when you see these things happening? Well, I mean, from my perspective, you know, I'm a little older, so I've seen um, <clears throat> rappers get murdered uh, before, but in this in this particular climate, you know, a lot of these rappers are not only younger, but, you know, their careers really haven't uh, picked off. You know, Pop Smoke became a global superstar months after he got murdered. Uh, King Von was uh you know burning up you know playlists like get get turned you know most necessary you know so he was on the bubble but uh his um you know his credibility was real but i mean what we have is street life intersecting hip hop culture in the social media age you know i mean it's an unprecedented time but um hip hop unfortunately is is also st the music is steering the pot in a lot of this gang beef you know like you're able to hop in a studio and make a song that millions can dance and ridicule to and you know a lot of these rappers probably think get comfortable get popular and you know think um that they're loved and let their guard down and you know the streets are still active um but you know unfortunately it's really affecting the culture like no no other because it's silencing the music you know people are coming in as fans of the art you know like at the end of the day the fans don't care what gang you're from what street you're claiming because they're never going to go there you know they they don't know what that means they don't know what your gang signs mean you know they just love the catchiness of your music and for that to be ebbed and flow you know turned up and then all of a sudden suddenly yanked away you know it's very very um, detrimental to the overall culture. Uh, you know, it's crazy. One of the references you made on a text was you made a, a comparison to the 90s. Because I think around the time of, you always had people who passed away, like rappers, relatively known, that got shot. I think Dollar, like I, I don't want to like sit here and try to remember like everything off top, but, but with that wave of uh, XXX, it was now people, it was stars being killed right. for the first time since the 90s. Right. Like hip hop has gotten old enough that rappers die from different causes now. Like, you know, rest in peace, guru. Like, it, it, pun, like, there's health problems also being factored in, in addition to like gun violence or whatever. But what's crazy is it feels like no one's learned from that era. Like, the references. Everything, like the understanding that everything is held against you, especially with social media and so much surveillance 24-7, it feels like no one's learning from it. And these guys are really young, you know, uh, 26 and below. And, you know, they're getting money really fast. Uh, you know, they're becoming bosses, you know, CEOs of their own record companies and all their other brands. And, uh, you know, that's what America's uh, built on, you know, leading your own charge, building your own foundation. But... Um, just the waters that they're swimming in, you know, it's full of sharks. Um, and, you know, they just have to just move smarter uh, down the line. You know, again, at the end of the day, like fans may instigate, they may show interest, but they're going to move on. So, like, it's it's really not worth it uh, to keep steering the pot. Everybody's getting a lot of money. You know, rappers I never heard of, you know, everybody got the same jewelry, everybody got the same Lambo trucks. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good time to be a rapper, but, you know, you just have to be smart about it. You know, like there's this, the street does give you, give your uh, brand, your music a boost, but, you know, at the end of the day, you have to tread light, lightly. Uh, every time this happens, we're sad. People tweet about it. People talk about 
what needs to change. And to your point, people forget fairly soon, especially with so much occupying our minds right now. Is this fixable? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep it all the way 100. This is an American problem. Mm-hmm. You know, this ain't, this ain't hip-hop. This ain't Blood or Crib, GD or BD. No, this is an American problem. You know, you have disenfranchised citizens in your country, just happen to be black, growing up in these hoods. You know, like, I, I can't really blame, like, a King Von for being having a battery in his back like that because... Um, that's that's the world he grew up in, you know, like that's what he sees around him. You know, some people grow up and playing a hopscotch and, you know, playing basketball on the street. You know, he's like these guys are seeing guns at age nine in elementary school and hopping off the porch at 14 and going into jail. And and by, by the time they're 22, 23, like, yo, I got to make a change. But, you know, they have a whole life history in that world one foot in one foot out Mm -hmm. it's hard to leave it is and it's hard to change that mentality like i'm speaking from experience you know that shit rubs off on you you know and if that's who you are that's you know that's very hard even money really can't change that you know it, it it it's going to take um a collective unit as a country to solve this issue because it's a ring around the rosy and people are just, you know, they're just looking at these rappers as entertainment. You know, oh, well, you know, he's gone, but another one will come and entertain us and, you know, flash guns. You know, like they say rap being a rapper is the most dangerous job. I mean, like the the allure of the entertainment a rapper is they they do dangerous things. They have guns, they get tattoos on their face, they say fuck school and the law and everything like that. But um, it's it's a high risk job. Facts. Facts. I don't want to gloss over it, but I do want to get to a more brighter, lighter note. As I was prepping, I was looking back at old clips. In our second episode, we made uh, Grammy predictions and we reviewed some of the nominations. And the funny thing is, when we got to the best rap album category, before I even barely let a word out of my mouth, one Trent Clark said... <laughs> This category is a disgrace. <laughs> so I want to start with John. <laughs> but uh, I want to ask you, <laughs> best rap album nominations for the Grammys with Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist, Alfredo, J Electronica, A Written Testimony, Nas, King's Disease, D Smoke, Black Habits. Mm-hmm. And then I'm missing one. Royce of 5'9", Allegory. Royce of 5'9", The Allegory. How would you describe this category, John? Uh, with the exception of D Smoke, uh, I'm really excited to be at the 2009 Grammys uh, again. <laughs> this is going to be great. No, I mean, in all, in all seriousness, like, this has to be the strangest rap album nominee pool or group rather not pool because that would be the entire the entire pool of maybe the last 20 years like as i mean maybe maybe ever i don't know like i can't i'm not mad at it because i'm intrigued by it if that makes sense like i want to know for the first time in a very long time i want to know the conversation that was going on in either the zoom room or wherever this was taking place because normally you can look at the category and you can go okay rhapsody or an you know an artist of that nature fills the prestige slot there's a superstar or two or three that fill the kind of you know the main portions that you would think would be the front runners and then there might be a dark horse an album that comes out of nowhere an album that you weren't necessarily wasn't necessarily critically acclaimed but was commercially successful you know it's and it's usually like macklemore flow rider for example exactly this is the first year where I truly don't know what the uh, that conversation was. And I don't know if that's because the impact of experiencing albums and songs out in the world was diminished because tours weren't going on or because people just had more time to sit and listen to certain albums. I don't know. I also don't know what the average age of the voting committee is here, but I know we're going to talk about that. But yeah, I mean, this is just, you know, and that's not even... I'm saying all this and it sounds like I'm I'm being negative about the category and I'm sure Trent the face that he's making in me he's like you should be negative about this category but I'm just I just think it's 
it is unprecedented is the word I would use for it. All right, so you're, we're going to get to you, Trent, but you stepped on something that we were going to discuss later, but it makes sense to bring it up now. Because obviously I want us to review the category and 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 tell the, the, the listeners what we think it should have been. But <clears throat> I got in almost trouble the day of the Grammys because uh, I made an observation, which was that this category was more traditional. It's not what I said, in fairness. It, you know, obviously, it, it, it's more traditional. All these guys, uh, they're more uh, cut from the mold of MCing. what hip-hop emceeing, which is a term we don't use anymore. anymore. <laughs> right? What hip-hop used to be. Beats and rhymes, a certain aesthetic, everything, right? So it felt like a reset because, to your point, John, there used to be a slot for the prestige nomination, but this almost felt like prestige across the board. Right. And just to be clear, not that there's necessarily, you know, we're, we're saying that, um, and th there might be some people who are listening who are like, I, we don't, they don't really know what that refers to because it's not that there's a specific slot that, you know, is reserved yes. for albums like this. But when you look at the category in past years, the breakdown is pretty much like it's whatever was popular, whoever the stars are, a couple of albums like, you know, the, the Kendrick slots and the Kanye's that are, are critically acclaimed and popular. And then one or two things are like, that was good, but I don't necessarily know if people are listening to it like that or if it's impactful like that or what. And I feel like, you know, like I remember where I was when a written testimony came out. I mean, that that it felt for a moment for hip hop fans like a very impactful thing. It, it was pre COVID too. By, by, by the a hair. skin of its teeth. <laughs> it might have brought on the apocalypse. That was that is not <laughs> impossible. But even that felt like a drop in the bucket after everything that happened, you know, in the the successive eight months. So it's just it's just an odd an odd take on the on the you know the landscape of rap this year because if you showed that list to somebody and didn't they had no knowledge of what was popular in hip hop or what was critically acclaimed over the course of 2020 they would think that J Electronica, Nas, Royce the Five Nine, Freddie Gibbs, and D Smoke, who are collectively about 200 years old, 41 years of age. By average, the youngest nominee is 35, D Smoke. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Freddie's been building something for years and years. This is well-deserved. In some ways, this is sort of like, you know, when Spike Lee or a, 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 an acclaimed director gets a nomination for something years and years after their kind of, you know, peak work. I'm not saying it's that far off, but you could you could have argued that it should have been last year for Freddie. Bandana for Freddie. Yeah. I'm not saying that that I actually Alfredo's my I mean, this is a spoiler or something else. Alfredo's probably my favorite, one of my three favorite albums of the year. Same. So I'm not saying that it doesn't deserve to be there, but I do think that this was sort of recognition after the fact that maybe last year should have been in the running. And, and for Nas, it's like the career Grammy. That's exactly what I'm talking right. About. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but nonetheless, it feels like a reset across the board, right? <clears throat> so I made an observation about the reset, but what I did is. I referred to the field as actual rappers. Initially, on Twitter, initially, the response was agreement, right? Initially. Not by the time I logged on Twitter. Yeah, not, by the time you logged on, <laughs> by, the by the time you logged on, it was different, right? So the tweet dies, because it's a heavy Twitter day. Everyone is just going crazy. So the tweet just disappears. And all my mentions are about something completely different. And then that tweet starts popping back up. Like, and there's opposition. They're taking offense to the term actual rappers. I noticed a little bit of an Atlanta element there where, you know, they're assuming that I'm referring to whoever was snubbed, Lil Baby being the front runner. You know, it doesn't matter that people don't understand my history or supporting Lil Baby or whatever. But I started seeing this divide, John. It's funny when you said earlier that you were like, I'm not mad. Because what happened after the fact, we started texting, but what happened after the fact is it started going back and forth. Right. And then and then I noticed that a couple blogs picked it up. Uh, Too Cool the Blog and Rap Daily. Because P, shout out to P, P texted me like, yo, don't do that. Yeah. And I was like, P, come on. Like, So he wasn't being serious. 
But then we started going back and forth about the nominations. But it was an interesting moment because I was like, wait, at first, I'll be honest, I got defensive. I was like, what? Do I need to show my rap? Like, <laughs> which we'll get into that in a minute. But I was like, what the hell is going on? But then it, it started being interesting because I saw that it was yet another example of the generational divide that is happening in hip hop where people are very happy that MCs or rappers cut from a traditional mold of being nominated. And then the kids are like, Nah, it's our turn. We've earned it. Why the fuck are you not recognizing this shit? This was the biggest shit this year. On that note, Trent, how would you describe last year was a disgrace? What? How would you describe this year? Steven Victor, Pop Smoke's manager, he accused the Grammys of trolling, and and you know to his credit, that's pretty much that was. A big narrative on social, you know, when these nominations came out, you know, why aren't, you know, Stephen Victor, uh, Pop Smoke, you know, that album was huge, you know, I call it Get Rich or Die Trying 2020, but, you know, we'll talk about that later, but, I mean, it was a huge album, and usually Grammys recognize the biggest and brightest of music, you know, that, if you've been around enough, watched enough Grammys, seen enough nominations, snubs, um, that that's how you look at Grammys, you know, the superstars. Um, that being said, this is what everybody's been crying about for the past two decades. You know, Grammys don't recognize real hip-hop. You know, like, the Grammys is an umbrella of all the, all the musical genres of the night, but, you know, hip-hop citizens, you know, we're really defensive of how our artists perceived in the mainstream and i think these nominations reflect what everybody's been asking so for there to be an outrage now that you know streaming is finally fully realized with the ria and billboard you know now so numbers are big and bright and you know we know who who's the front runners you know like that being and also too, I mean, it, it does it does feel like the Grammy vote, the core Grammy voters, uh, conspired, you know, like because they did get it uh, hit upside the head last year. I mean, you know, my comment was just a, a drop in the bucket. Um, but this is this is what the people have been asking for for years. So you guys are mad now. Like, what are we talking about? Well, well, here playing devil's advocate, I'm not defending the history. Mm-hmm. Right, one of the things that we failed to mention. Yeah, you're right. Like it, it, it's it hasn't recognized real hip hop. We can go down the list of greatest hip hop albums from the '90s and 2000s, like seminal, most influential, never nope. nominated. Nope. But to your point, also, and this is something that I was when you when you tweeted that, and when we were talking about you know the the kind of controversy around the idea of like actual rappers. I started looking back at the last few years, and in spite of Trent's outrage, which is constant, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I would describe Meek Mill and 21 Savage or Pusha T and Nipsey Hussle and Cardi B and Kendrick and Rhapsody and Jay-Z in any other way but actual rappers. Actual rappers. Yes. If, if we're talking about people for whom rapping without melody if that's the sort of like the you know uh like beats and bars kind of definition like the category may have gotten some of the albums wrong over the years and it's obviously a mess for a variety of reasons every year but that was why i i first pointed yeah, out because yeah, i was yeah, like yeah, yeah. a lot of these people just rap by classical definitions of what it means to rap without melody or the influence of other you know uh, of r&b or other genres in their delivery I, I i agree with you i think and obviously we all know what it feels like to tweet in real time right <laughs> fast well i'm not listen shit my rap came in so fuck y'all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm gonna show y'all what i've been listening to right <laughs> but but in the moment i think i was focused on the word reset yes. not actual rappers which, you know, in fairness, you know, one of the things I told you, John, over text is like, you know what? I misworded that. And then you was like, no, actually, it's, it's good that way because it, it, it starts a specific conversation. But I was focused on the reset because I just don't know that we've ever seen a field like this where across the board, 
it's a certain type of hip hop being represented. On that note, though, and Trent, I know you can't wait to get there. Uh, if we're if we're outraged, I'll say we, because not all of us are. Then who should have been nominated? If they got it right, Trent Clark. John Tanner wants to interject before, first. Before Trent says anything, we've been doing this. We've talked about the Grammys for three years now, two years on air, and one year we practiced, and it's in the the vault somewhere. Yeah. When has Trent Clark not? been outraged <laughs> all right we need a lobby for this man to either be on on one of these committees or start his own award show the trent award the, the trent, trent award the, the trent but this year i'm i'm with it what <laughs> i'm with it <laughs> what a curveball what the f- wait you like this category i'm not mad at it holy shit. take us through it because okay because okay yes Little Baby and the two deceased uh, superstars that that really blew up Juice World and Pop Smoke. Uh, yes. Um, wait, 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 wait. Pop Juice World is a very poppy yeah. album. That, that would have been that, that a may pop have, record. That that may have been an issue. With, rest in peace, Juice World. All the respect to him mm-hmm. and his team. Right, we, we were big supporters, but that could have been a a, a weird thing also if they totally. took a slot over. Pop, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the post but, Malone conversation. Yeah, but yeah, but at the same time, no one's really picketing uh, deceased rappers either. You know, like they wouldn't. I, I don't think that'd be a thing. I don't put it past nobody. I think that'd be a conversation. Um, but you know, that being said, those guys, you know, they they have enough FaceTime, they have enough traction going. You know, um, that they're gonna be all right. You know, like. D Smoke, Royce, even even the come up that Freddie has been doing. Like, if you look at Freddie's history, like there pe- people are saying, like, yeah, he might not be a big superstar, but he don't have no wax songs. You know, that's what his core fan base is saying. So, for for artists like that to be recognized, um, I'm with it. You know, why not? Like, the Grammys are just a promotional tool for an artist. You know, like there is no loser. You know, like. Grammy week, you know, you can if you're if you're a guitarist, you know, you can see Stevie Nicks and Wyclef, you know, in the corner and and get you know get their contact and listen. If you're a rapper, Jay Z's over there and like, yo, I got I got cannabis too. Let's collaborate. You know, like I mean, right, it's wait, just wait, wait. you're gonna have to rewind and explain what the hell you're talking yeah. about because I don't fuck. No, I don't know what you're talking the, about. The, 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 the Grammys is an incredible promotional tool as your for your brand as an artist. You know, that's it. Getting the nomination all the way. I'll put it like this. My birthday is March 1st. I've never had a Grammy conversation on my birthday. By the by, the, you're after the Grammys. That's what I'm saying. Like no one, no one, no one's taught. You know, like for all the outrage, no one cares about the winner anymore. Like no one's like walking around with that tro- trophy. You're like just you, like the nomination. Use it to use it to elevate steam. And if you're not nominated, wait, to, wait, wait till next year. Wait till your turn. So you're saying it's just a, an outrage moment that's very brief, and then mm-hmm. we move on. And 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 kind of needless at Who, this point. Who's Joe? What's what's his name from from the New York Times? Joe Scar- uh Joe Coscarelli. Yes. Yeah. So Joe tweeted about how quiet nominations were a day before. Yeah. I texted him and I was like, "Holy shit! I forgot it's tomorrow, right?" But then the next day, <laughs> like. But I think we also were talking about that too when I when I sent you your own tweet and i was like i think people just want something to, get to be at. mad about yep, because yep. To, to your point there even though you could argue about the merits of the individual albums i think for for at least you know uh for 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 royce nas i mean jay electronica is such an anomaly it's hard to say where he fits in things so let's put him to the side for a second but for freddie nas and royce this is all kind of like a uh you know, lifetime achievement mm-hmm. slash like recognition of where they've reached in, in their careers. And so as a fan of each individually, it's hard to be mad at them as sort of, you know, all timers or rising uh, and, and, and kind of growing greats to be nominated. Are those the albums that I listened to the most this year? One of them is, you know, are they the albums that necessarily represent where hip hop is moving? In some ways, yeah, because I mean, that's what's sort of odd about it as well. If yep. you do yep. think about the sort of 
two strains of what was happening in rap this year, you know, you continue to have a lot of like what we've been talking about, the street rap, some of it melodic, some of it not, but that dominant sound, the sound of rap caviar, the sound of rap radio. But you also had this resurgence with Griselda. Yep. With Hit Boy deciding to become a boom bap producer, <laughs> with you know all of these uh, prominent artists like Freddie. I mean, the fact that Freddie and Alchemist are nominated for a Grammy in the same year that like Twenty Four K Golden and Ian Dior have a number one record with something that's it's like a pop rap song. Like that's there's never been a time like that where there were two strains of hip hop that were both dominating different parts of the conversation that's lit. and were so far apart. It's lit. So I'm gonna be the only one outraged, technically. Who are you, who are you who are I, you missing? I, I just I just really wanted Roddy Baby yes. and Pop to be nominated. I really they really owned the year in a way that's like you know I know Juice World is the most streamed artist on Spotify for 2020, mm-hmm. uh, but it felt different culturally than Pop did or like Roddy or 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 or, or uh, well, Pop, baby. Well, Pop's music was heavy in the uh, in the riots. You know, George yeah. Floyd, uh, Rashawn Brooks riots. Um, you know, like it just it just resonated with um, um, you know protesters and everything. But it's more we than talked, that. We talked about that though. How that you know I think that that also is representative of like the time that we're living. Like like it's not that that baby wasn't reflected right. Like the bigger picture is a yep. part of the conversation, <laughs> right. and that was a record that was. It's one of the only meaningful sort of like, uh, I guess, you know, popular protest records, like probably dating back to All Right in the last, you know, half decade or so. But Dior was a song that was ringing out in in big cities during protests. And I think there's an energy to Pop Smoke that is, it's like forbidden, it's dangerous, it's surrounded by the, the, you know, unfortunate and violent circumstances of his death. And it's kind of a representation of where we're at as like America today more than ever is a society of death. We are obsessed with it. Preach. We are mm. we are bathing in it daily. And I don't know that there's an artist that was more representative of that. Unfortunately, I'm not saying this as a celebration, but unfortunately then Pop Smoke. Keith Trent, as you were saying so astutely earlier, like he is a representation and King Vaughn, they are representation of, of things that are unfortunate circumstances for the black community in America. He's a representation if you're talking about popularity or about, you know, critical acclaim. And there is a conversation about what should have been nominated for him. And obviously it's, you know, this goes back to what we're Meet talking about. The Wu-Tu. That's what I was going to say. Yep. But it's, you know, the, the, the difficulty <laughs> of like Dior being a song that kind of, it's like an older yeah. song. But so. That didn't stop the Grammys before. No, definitely not. <laughs> But but point being, I think you're I think you're right to a, to a degree, Carl. Where it's like I'm not mad at this, but I also don't feel like when we look back, it's like you know Forrest Gump winning best film. You're gonna be like, was that really the best film of 1994? Like that doesn't make any sense, and that's not how I. I mean, maybe this is just my personal opinion, but I, you know, this is not gonna look like what 2020 sounded like when we go back to it. Word. To a degree. To a, de- to a degree, because you, you made a good point. I can't even frame it the way you did, but you are right. This is a representation of where hip-hop is going to a certain degree, where lyricism and traditional right. hip-hop is finding a niche audience. But it wasn't out... But to your point, Trey, like, it wasn't the sound of the it protests. It, yeah, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't the sound of... Niche. The, right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and also dominating the press conversation and dominating the kind of, you know, the, the traditional circuit of hip-hop media. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I, I want to bring up a couple of things that we talked about behind the scenes. Uh, obviously, we haven't been able to go outside. So the only songs we got to experience fully this year are from the first three months of the year. I think that's one of the things that elevates the box above other people, other songs. It's like we were outside when the box was the biggest song in the world, and it's one of our last memories of being in a community space listening to hip hop, which that's the best way to fucking experience that type of music. You have to be somewhere where other people feel the energy of people reacting to the music, right? And throughout the pandemic, I've heard songs... And one of the things that I thought immediately was, God 
damn, this would go off in the club. God damn, like we would be out mm. and this song would go off with everyone rapping along, going crazy. So I want to ask you guys, and I'll start with John. Like, what is the song? You can have more than one, but what is the song that you wish you fully experienced in 2020? I have two. One is personal and one is definitely not personal. Uh, I'll start with the personal one. So, you know, obviously I work with Ticket A Trip. I've worked with them for the, the, it's the longest running thing in my musical career. I've managed them for like seven and a half years now. And we knew that the Scots was coming for a couple of months at that point. We didn't know when it was coming, but we knew it was coming. And then when we found out how it was coming with the, the you know, essentially the first big video, I mean, other than I guess Marshmello doing a DJ set in, in Fortnite, like the, the dawn of the new kind of like, you have your concerts, but you also have your virtual video game, whatever. I like more than anything else, more than any other song, being able to hear the Scots somewhere yeah. live after that, after it came out. And also just like the union of Travis and Cuddy, two generations kind of like bringing this thing together. I feel like if it came out and there was the experience of hearing it live and they could see the reaction to what was happening to that song live, we probably would have more than one right. song right now. So that's the that's the personal and selfish one. And not for nothing, uh, that Travis Scott Fortnite is one of the best things that happened this year. Easily. In, 20, in 2020. Facts. Facts. But the other one is WAP. Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean that's no, yes, it. Yes. 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 That was one of my answers. Yeah. I have more than one, but that's one yeah. of my answers. But but why? We there's might have never, different There's reasons. never been a song that was meant to be played in a club more than that song that is the first of all there has to be some like you know i know that this is this is not on our, our list of topics but i think one of the most interesting trends in rap this year was that for the first time in a very long time and maybe since you know uh the late you know like the the rise of lil kim Rap was nasty. Mm -hmm. This year. popular rap was nasty. I remember talking to uh, a, 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 an executive who will remain unnamed, who was like appalled the really? week that WAP came out. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, but, but 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 <laughs> point being, the notion of like something being in bad taste and also being the biggest song of the year, and knowing what effect that would have on because that's a song that like everybody has an opinion of and if that went off in a club and I know I know you're, you're gonna say something similar to this just the reaction men yeah. women like that's a song that was designed for a a, right. a 3 a.m dark night and I'll tell that exact nigga please to us <laughs> so there are hits and there are moments mm. uh, my favorite moment to reference is Drake Hotline Bling when the video comes out and everyone dances like him in the video. When I think of WAP, it takes me back to Bodak and how much of a moment that was and how when you played it, all the dudes were weird about singing along even though we knew all the fucking lyrics and the women turned into Cardi. So I wanted part two with WAP. I wanted to be in a room full of women going the fuck off as we stand there awkwardly or if some of us want to be brave enough to join in the fun or whatever, but man, the 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 videos, the 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 viral moments that would have happened mm -hmm. from people capturing videos of women in bars or clubs going to WAP like the PS one the PS one moment chaos that, that fucking Cardi had for Bodak that repeated for WAP. Well, I also think that first of all, I think that like the rapper of the year is Megan. And we can, Ooh. we can, we can debate Ooh. that later. I think that she would have, that would have been less of a controversial thing to both of you if that song if that was, was able to, well, we'll get into that. If that song yeah. and Savage both existed outside of just primarily internet contexts. Wow. Okay. Because she dominated conversation. She dominated social conversation. 
She dominated musical conversations. She did drop great dominated records. Dominated musical conversations? Really, not in the, in terms of comparisons, like comparing bodies of work, but like we're talking about Big the songs, record that we, want, we all wanted to see out. It's obviously not just her record, but she had multiple number ones this year. Two. That's multiple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But point being, and I and I get what you're saying, Trent, but I feel like she also had a strong enough collection of individual records and is a good enough rapper. We want to talk about actual rappers. She raps. <laughs> right. The new rap pack. Uh, oh, uh, actual rappers. Actual rappers, yeah. That's it. That, the, the merch for season two is yeah, gonna say actual, actual rappers. rappers. I have no problem with Megan being on all first rap team this year. Yeah, yeah easy. Uh we paid my my favorite song mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, there's just a certain energy about it that I wish definitely I heard in the club setting. I wish I got to hear some of the pop stuff in the club setting. Of course, uh, Blueberry Fago was robbed of the summer it deserved. Should have been at the pool party in the hills song. with the beautiful women around and just like being day drunk while that song was playing. There's so many, but I think we paid and WAP are probably my top two. Trent? Uh, <laughs> Chris Brown and Young Thug go crazy. That like, went off too. Like, like, I mean, I listen to that song. Like, I don't, I haven't had anywhere to go, but I imagine that that'll be a song I'm getting ready to. You know, we're going out to like a nighttime event. Um, yeah, that that song would would jumpstart my day. Uh, so that's the personal. But uh, you know, one that I know would definitely go out in the open out in the space whether it be a day party a club setting or an industry event uh throat babies like everybody's everybody's singing you know yeah you know, <laughs> yeah yeah like, like back to your point hip-hop oh, yeah, is nasty yeah, yeah, yeah nasty but but throat babies that, that is yeah nasty. but shit catchy and everybody be singing it you know For dj sure. turn it down yeah that that would have been a moment I, there's I, another one i'm missing too what's the uh <laughs> what's the one? No, nah, what's the what's the it, like throw babies took over, but there was a, what's the one? Uzi Uzi dropped on the remix. Uh Rocky. Uh Party Girl? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, Party Girl. That would have been another one. Um That I, how much burn would that have gotten in the club? It, it would have. It's one of those pop a pill, sit in the corner, grind on grind on somebody records. Yeah. How long yeah, that? Uh uh, I'm, I'm like married. The, <laughs> so. uh, I'm not gonna you lie. Like, sh- I'm not gonna lie. Uh, your favorite Nav uh, Turks would have went off. That's just hard. That's just dope. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> There's so many though. All yeah, the pop smoke songs. I mean, that's the thing that's kind of weird about it too. Is that like when you go back, like I, we we've talked about this a little bit in the in the kind of you know intermission that we had between shows, like. I feel like Future was robbed of oh a potential comeback I, I, moment uh, because, you know, look, I, I'm not saying that that High Off Life is DS3. No, but it's got... But it's yeah. as close as he's come to recreating that energy, both kind of sonically with the production choices and musically and lyrically. I know a lot of the conversation around it was like, it's just the same Future album again and again and again, which... I'm totally fine with because it's a thing that he he just honed that thing and I really do you know to to your point there are so many songs that just didn't have that kind of random moment where a DJ picks up on something and then suddenly whether it's in LA or in the Bay or in New York a record starts to catch because somebody is forcing the issue and so, and you brought it up you know we can't gloss over how big life is good was big like a billion views in under a year you know, it took uh, Gangnam Gangnam Style, whatever that song's called, like five years or whatever. It it was on. Uh, it was right there with the box. Yeah. yeah. It was. You know, a, a, every week you Seven really times you, you kind of thought that it was gonna yeah. overtake the box and never did. But it was right there with the box. Uh, one last pandemic related thing. Has the pandemic made it easier or harder to cut through? For me, easier a thousand percent. You know, I don't have to. Go out to meetings and you know. Uh, but we're not talking about you, Trent. Huh? <laughs> I'm talking about music, like artists, like people trying to get noticed. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it it has to be easier, you know. Like people, you have you have more people on their phones in 
routine. You know, I'm not saying everybody's in the house, but you know, everybody's doing has a routine schedule at this point. And you know, if they're checking out the playlist or checking out Instagram, check wherever artists you know go to thrive and live. Like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 easier to pinpoint, and also for me, easier to watch videos. So I, I imagine the same for everybody. So, so I I understand why you said that because. There's a there's a more captive audience now. Right. But if we're talking about emerging artists, for instance, and I think we've had a little bit of a conversation around that, think about emerging artists in 2020. There aren't as many breakthrough artists as we usually have in hip hop this year. Maybe maybe touring's the answer. Maybe I, I, I don't right? think it's the whole answer, but I think you know. What do you consider breakthrough? Just, just think. Lotto like, broke through this year. I, Jack I, Harlow. No, there are like Don Tolliver, mm-hmm. but but they they feel it feels like there's less zero to sixty stories. Like it feels like there's less of a the list is shorter. Like, and I wish I had it off the top. I wish I actually took the time to look at the last few years where it just felt like every year there's just a ton of new talent coming through. And this year just doesn't feel like the well, same. I think what we're also missing, it's not just touring. It's the conversation around certain live events, right? So like, you know, and this is a this is a, an example from a few years ago. But I remember when Anderson Pack played Coachella, it wasn't playing Coachella that broke him. It was that on the back of... Compton bringing out T.I. at the beginning of a festival run and then a tour as he started to grow, there was a network effect. People were having conversations about him that they wouldn't have just had if it was an online only phenomenon. Like, I don't know that a lot of people necessarily, you know, some of these artists may have actually benefited from this. We're like, I don't know if a lot of these acts are, are, you know, strong live acts yet, but also you need to go out on the road to win over fans that aren't listening to rap caviar or that aren't checking you, you know, on one playlist or another. I think that it's definitely, uh, to, to your point, Trent, like people are in the house, they have routines, they're watching videos and you know, whatever they're, they're locked into their computers, their devices. But I think the lack of conversation, maybe you're texting, maybe you're sharing artists with people, the lack of being able to go out and hear records and the limitations on what artists can do from a uh you know you call it content perspective activation perspective whatever you want to call it right like street marketing not really happening there's not there's not that same ability for hand-to-hand combat or interesting activations in cities that you know like think about and he was a superstar at this point but think about like travis scott's astroworld head like shit like that where you have this thing in a city that people are taking photos of they're sharing it on instagram it becomes a conversation piece there wasn't that much marketing that was like that where you're looking at artists who are telling their story outside of their music i think that people are finding new ways to do it they're doing it through videos again and they're doing it through social content that's just tweets or you know whatever but like i think that there is that missing element of real world interaction that makes it so hard to figure out like you put out an album you put out a single and it's gone a yep. week later. Yep. No, nothing's ubiquitous anymore. And nothing sticks. Yep. Like if you drop an album, I mean, well, there are songs that stick. WAP was a part of conversation. It got conservatives mad. Like it was, you know, there are those, there are always those lightning rod moments that are, you know, cultural uh, uh, dialogue kind of tent poles. But like a lot of artists, like Freddie would have benefited from a Coachella performance, and a tour. I I think you nailed it because you just, you you used the word stick and you you just reminded me of like a conversation I've been having. Going into the pandemic, The Box was the number one song in the country for 11 weeks total. After that, the Hot 100 became a little bit of a revolving door. Uh, Blinding Lights was number one for non-consecutive weeks. There's a couple other uh, Doja Cat. Doja Cat. Uh, Blinding Savage. Lights. Blinding Lights is the biggest song that never was. Like that to me is like it's it, what is it? It's like 1.7 billion yeah, streams on Spotify nuts. now. It's probably crazy. something similar on, on Apple. 
And it, and I mean, it's not going to be memorialized in the Grammys, that's for sure. But it feels like one of those songs, like in a normal year, that's like Ed Sheeran, Shape of You. You yeah. know what I mean? That's a that's just a, a, a ubiquitous song. And I felt like because I wasn't in my car much on the radio or hearing it out at, you know, random kind of bars that play top mm. 40, like, did it happen? You, you, you don't have an image of it. Like right. I mentioned Hotline Bling. When I mention Hotline Bling, I think about us at the dime by the DJ booth and everyone's dancing yep. like Drake. I don't have an image of what blinding light sounds like with people or all in I, general. Yeah, all I have is an image of the weekend bloodied and bandaged and that's about it. His Joker yeah. take. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, um, switching gears. Did, have you guys listened to uh, Wayne's Low, No Ceilings 3? I did today because you made me. <laughs> <laughs> Trent, you, you haven't listened? Why would I do such a thing? Come on, respect the legends. Yeah, I, I respect legends when they put a lot of focus and, in, in, you know, he threw that shit out and went to go play video games well, again. The, well, uh, this kind of plays into what I want to talk about because uh, the first song I heard off the tape was B.B. King's Freestyle. And that's an original. It's dope. Which is fantastic. Absolutely. Right? Uh, I have to stress, love Dwayne, nothing but respect. But uh, that to me was exhibit A that Wayne still got it. Timeless. Well, not not exhibit A, but 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 Benny the Butcher, timeless. Like there's there's these Wayne features the, on the, the young right. Boy. Young boy, my window. There's these Wayne features that are absolutely incredible. But then when I hear him rap over for the night or Dior or we paid, I'm like, this doesn't feel like it felt back then when I wanted him to tackle an instrumental that exists. So what you're saying and is body that shit. Right. Basically what you're saying is I made the right decision by skipping. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, you gotta li- you gotta give Wayne an automatic listen. I'm asking something specific. There's less and less freestyle. Ironically, BB King's freestyle is not a freestyle. I mean, it's 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 on an original production, but there's less and less freestyles over popular instrumentals that cut through. So my question is like, is it still effective? If it's not effective, then why is it no longer effective? Because I can't really. It used to. It used to. It used to be. Common, right? I think part of the answer is really that mixtapes are now like full of originals. But can I, can I give you a cynical answer and then and then a real answer? Give it to me. Well, actually, first I'll say, I will say there's one record that is worth listening to. I really loved hearing him rap over Takeover. That was just there was something sort of bizarre about that to me. Like hearing Wayne rap on, I didn't I didn't expect him to pick a random. 19 years later. Like, why? But it sounded great. Yeah, but like, I think the the cynical reason is you only see one of these songs on Spotify. You can't monetize 20 songs that you don't own the rights to. Labels got the control. And, I, and you know, I mean, it would be one thing if he went to Republic and was like, give me whatever, you know, give me whatever beats I can rap over. But I feel like, you know, there was conversation around the fact that this came out on Dat Piff, and that was like a whole. You know, there was a, there was almost a, a, a marketing in that. That's the only place that you could experience it. But yeah, that's my my cynical take. But I think also the reality is like there was a you know Wayne came to prominence off of records that weren't other people's, but became a dominant figure by remaking other people's records and outdoing them on their own shit or taking records that you didn't even know and turning them into mixtape classics. I just don't think that, you know, the lines have blurred between what a mixtape and what an album are. Yeah. There's, there isn't that same sense of, like, inherent competition anymore where, like, the rappers would, ta- you know, Lupe would take other people's songs just to show you what he could do on your favorite beats. Like it just, it, it was about proving that you could do something with that production that somebody else wasn't doing. And I don't think that there is that same need or hunger for that like proving ground. Or allowance. That too. Uh, Audio Mac just signed a deal a few weeks ago with Warner Music Group. You know, Audio Mac was like a SoundCloud, you know, a haven for uh, up and coming artists and, you know, established artists alike. Uh, you know, to get get some freestyles off, get some some 
off the off the record, you know, the records off. But um, <clears throat> you know, now that uh, everybody like the playing field has 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 leveled because everybody's on the, everybody's listening to music the same way, streaming. So there's a lot of laws, a lot of litigation in that, and you know, hip hop uh, notoriously was in the streets, you know, not in the mainstream, not, you know, not obeying the rules, you know, now they got, you know, back to John's uh, point about uh, being cynic, cynical, um, the labels got control, you know, you can't, you can't, just look, look at Jacquees, Jacquees went on a whole uh, career building campaign, murdering people on their own song, you know, no disrespect to anybody he, he did, but he did, and, you can't find those songs anywhere but a dark uh, place of the, of the web because I, I have the labels had my to... phone. <laughs> the trip remix so in my phone. See, see, it's so good. See, um, but yeah. So I mean, it, it's you know, and I I remember you know in the middle of the blog era when you know copyrights and feds were, were you know DJ Toomp, Ti's uh, producer. You know, he was stressing the need uh, for for producers, hip hop producers, to make original production. And nowadays, with technology catching up, you see a lot of electronic, a lot of uh, bass. You know, a lot of non sampled uh, hip hop uh, being created in space, and you see a lot of samples too. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's all sanctioned by labels. I guess I was thinking more of uh, from it uh, from a qualitative standpoint, like just like it just doesn't feel like good material as much as it used to. And you don't need. And you look at if you look at Spotify or any play any any streaming service, um, you don't need to. Like artists are making hit records. I, you know, I, like I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I'm just saying that people are still not as much not as many as before. Right. But people are still doing it. Wayne just. Put out a tape full of it. But he's he's from he's from that era, you know. Like, is Lil Baby gonna do that next? Uh, so I was wondering if part of what was weird for me is that he's rapping over these beats, and I'm I'm used to a certain type of delivery from those artists because they're from a different generation. I was wondering if that was part of the disconnect for me, where he's rapping over "We Paid," but it doesn't it doesn't connect in the same way as Forty Two Doug. And little baby. At the same time, a fucking rap beat is a rap beat. Yeah, that's true. I also wonder if it, you know, like to your point about Jacquees, it it was effective whether you were like it loving was. loving yeah. the records or you know there was the, obviously a bit of a comedic conversation around him on Twitter for doing it, but it worked one way or another because it got people talking about him and it probably you know it, it resuscitated or it extended his career in a way that it wouldn't have had he just dropped a bunch of anonymous albums on on Spotify. You know, hard to say if if like to use another example like if Freddie did a mixtape where he took because one of the things that he loved to do over the last kind of you know in his the beginning of his career but also over the last few years is like balance going and doing the like backpacker albums mm-hmm. the stuff with alchemist and madlib with doing more kind of you know uh adjacent to the mainstream sounding music like would it be effective if he went and then did a mixtape like that with production that's sort of you know of the moment or that's from songs that we recognize like maybe if it's just a conversation piece and it's not something where you're expecting some big commercial single and there's not all this pressure on it, yeah, it could be effective. I think one of the reasons that we're, you know, either you don't want to listen to this other than your overall perspective on <laughs> Wayne right now, we don't even talk about his I mean, he, he, I mean, political I, affiliations or whatever the fuck was going on man. a month ago. But, like, he gave the mixtape classic lineage it's a title that has a lot of expectations. He's an artist who is probably one of the most synonymous with the idea of like the mixtape era and the mixtape game. So for Wayne, it's like you have to it has to be incredible or why even do it? Word. Okay. Um, I wanna end by going back to what John said about Megan the Stallion being <laughs> the rapper of the year. And you chimed in and said, I'd definitely give her first team. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Rap Caviar all first team was Drake, Uzi, Baby, Roddy, and Pop. Wow. Who was she knocking off? 
In Fairness came out with it a couple months ago, pre-Meg album. That changes the conversation a little bit. I love Uzi, but I would drop him off. Say it again. Can you mean repeat? Uzi, Baby, Roddy, Drake, Pop. Hey, Uzi, Uzi's 2020 is aged interestingly. It's been real weird. I mean, I honestly would drop Drake. You know, but that's like dropping LeBron. Like, like at this point, Drake is one of the like. No, he, he it's so had, it's so LeBron effortless here. for him. Second most streamed artist is on it's Spotify. Crazy. It's effortless. Like, he's he, in my top five. But, but they, I, he's in mine. Like, so think about it. Like a guy that we're thinking hasn't been. He's technically an off off cycle off year. year. He's been doing it for so long at the highest level that you t- you do take for granted the idea that like a mid-level year for him. We were talking about this on text too. A middling year for him would be the biggest year for most artists in their entire careers. I, I, listen, hopefully I don't get in trouble for saying this because he's on the Rap Caviar team. I thought about it. No, no, it's, I thought about yeah. like does he? Because the it baby's be second team. I was like, I was like. He he hasn't been as dominant as some of those other guys this year, but, this, but it is an off-cycle year. But this actually goes to your point from before we jumped on the air, because I was comparing 2020 and 2014, and I think what what you were saying was that you know 2014 was sort of this weird kind of like changing of the guards. A lot of superstars didn't drop albums. It wasn't you know it it, it wasn't a a marquee year in terms of big tentpole releases. I think 2020 is so competitive and the 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 different kinds of artists that were putting shit out, the different, you know, sounds of rap. Like you could go to 10 rappers and probably have an argument for all of them at least hovering around the top five. All right. And to John's point, Uzi ain't safe because I drop him and put the baby. We didn't even we haven't even talked about the baby this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. That's <laughs> like, crazy. Wild. But 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 you know why? Here's my guess. Cause I guess I could say it. He, yo, like we got Roddy. He, and he, he, he's no, he's no, he's one of the most streams are, streamed artists on Rap Caviar this year. But I think it's almost all based on Rockstar because it was massive. So that's the thing that confuses me about his year. Well, he started off kind of sl- like the first uh, "Blame It on Baby" album, yeah. But then the orange cover, the deluxe, all fire. You know? but, but but didn't resonate. No dribble didn't didn't perform. No practice just picked up. People recently didn't perform. Those songs are dope. Practice is the one. Practice is the one. All them songs. But you're right. We didn't talk about them all year. Even his uh, uh, all, all even show. his brother's EP has got some joints on it. Like yeah. Oh well. So what? Twenty One Savage. Savage mode was, was two is great. Uh well, John, why is Meg the rapper of the year? I think that. She dominated conversation. Like, obviously, this is not a gossip show. I'm yes. going to get into why. Yeah. But I think that from the perspective of a rapper ascending to superstar mm-hmm. status, she's the one to me. Like, Baby, obviously, is very close. I think Roddy is probably my favorite artist that emerged as a, as a star. But, like, to me, Meg and the Baby have that kind of, like, there's a magnetism to them and she just I mean she had huge records she's an incredible rapper she's a rapper in the like traditional <laughs> sense actual the rapper. actual rap sense she is reminiscent of you know it, it, she has all of the characteristics to me of what a, a the next generation rap superstar should be she's rever- I mean she's doing a fucking album with Q-Tip mm-hmm. who else incredible who, who else could do that in this to, to go back to your point about would we, you know, or, or hearing Lil Baby on like uh, older beats or doing mixtape type shit over Wayne, yeah, 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 what, yeah, yeah, what yeah I'm yeah. saying in comparison yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, what yeah. Wayne is doing, yeah. like I just think that she's so incredibly versatile and is a part of a lineage of Houston rap that like it just connects her to the history of the genre, but it doesn't feel like she's stuck in the past, and she's got tons of fans, mm-hmm. like she's an actual legitimate superstar she's saying real shit her performances say something you know i just i think when we look back on if if what comes next for her is you know what happened to nikki after 2010 we're gonna look back on this year and be like that's the year that 
set her to be the superstar well, of the next whatever. And decade. I think this is the second year in a row she essentially did that. I just don't think it there was. There was a leap this year. Yeah. Uh, the last there was a leap last year, too. But, but this leap is crazy. It is. Yeah. New York Times, fucking yeah. Time Magazine, most influential person. Yeah. The 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 numbers are way bigger. Mm-hmm. I think she sold, what, 103,000 the first week? Mm-hmm. Her first week sale, the biggest numbers before, was like 48 or something. I'm just saying, I, look, you can disagree with it, but there's a case. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. There's 1,000% yeah. I think she's case. number two. Yeah. Lil Baby's hard thing. No yeah. yeah. And, and, like, if you want to, like, back to your competition analogy, yeah, like, if, you, if like... The, the 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 growth the the looks uh, was massive, but you know if we if we put the microscope uh, down, little baby's music versus Megan, little baby got it. Fair. All right. On that note, this concludes season one Hell of yeah. the Rap Pack, uh, an orthodox rollout to say the least. Uh, I was about to say we promise we'll be better next year, but there is no guarantee. <laughs> but we'll be back check us out on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Rat Pack and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel same Rat Pack and uh, till next time this is Carl Cherry signing off and this is John Tanners and I'm Trent Clark peace peace